Hey everybody, it's Chad with I Want to Know, here with uh, my new friend, Dr. Tarig Rajan. Did I pronounce that properly? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we had a bit of an incident. We uh, bought a bottle of rum to uh, drink on the podcast, and the lid wouldn't come off. It ended up breaking the top of the bottle off a little bit, and uh, so we had to filter our rum before we could uh, even start the podcast. Yeah, well, we're dedicated drinkers, it appears. So <laughs> we, we weren't going to let that bottle go to waste, so that's no, great. No, no, no. So uh, Dr. Rajan uh, Tarig is a doctor of optometry. Um, he owns two stores or is a partner in two stores in Calgary. And uh, the reason I was so interested in having you on the podcast is about your kind of philanthropy. You will go out and, and help people around the world. So maybe you can give yourself a little introduction and tell us about that. Sure. Um, so I'm part of a charity called Canadian Vision Care. Mm-hmm. Um, I was brought into that charity uh, or recommended into that charity through a mentor of mine, um, Dr. Riaz Ahmed, also a, a fellow optometrist. And uh, they were short some guys, and this was my first year straight out of school, uh, actually 10 years ago. And I went on this trip and, and never looked back. And Where was so it? This was in Jamaica. Nice. <clears throat> I've uh, since then been to Jamaica nine times out of 10 in the mm. last uh, 10 years. I, I recently just uh, got back, actually just a week ago. Yeah. So um, obviously... Uh, I enjoy myself out there a lot. I, I feel a personal connection in, in Jamaica. Yeah. Um, but it's a very grounding experience. And um, even in, even when times are hard, opening the clinics and whatnot, I uh, I still always made it back out there. And I, I felt like it just regrounded me and uh, made me more appreciative of, of what I have. And I, I feel like, unfortunately, our society here... Where, you know, we, we watch TV or we look at our phones or whatnot, and we're constantly being told how our car is not good enough or our mm. computer is not fast enough. And, and then you're talking to, <laughs> you go out there and these, these guys don't even have cell phones. So I would like actually collect cell phones uh, from my friends, you know, for, that uh, after they got their upgrade yeah. uh, through their plan, right? This is 10 years ago when they used to do things like that. Yeah. And uh, I would take their old phones and, and, uh, distribute them out there and nice. made some friends actually my first uh, year out there and we became pretty pretty tight and so every year i would go back and visit them yeah i bring them little knickknacks do, do you have roots in jamaica what made you choose jamaica i uh i don't have any roots in jamaica i i've just been a big fan of of like reggae um dance hall and i'm talking when i was like um a teenager in junior high yeah and um and so when it, when I got out there, um, I naturally felt in tune with the culture, the music. Um, Jamaica is really an interesting place. It it is a uh, community of mixed cultures, and, yeah. and Indian also being part of that. Uh, myself, of course, being East Indian. Yeah. Although I'm born and raised here, um, your heritage my, my is heritage from... is there. Yeah. Um, my parents actually come from Kenya. Okay. So. I've been to Kenya many times. I, I had, until the last five years, never had been to India. And um, I don't have any family or anything there. We're kind of long, um, you know, transposed from there. But uh, went to Kenya. When I would go to Kenya, and, and, and there's a, a feeling you kind of get there, and, and um, whether it be a kind of like a first world country or, or the poverty, or maybe it's just the people and, and the lack of having just basic necessities, but still having a smile on their face. Yeah. You, you go to Jamaica and, and it's the same thing. Um, and it's that, that feeling that I get that I kind of have a, I don't know, I, I can't necessarily say that's home, but I, I actually call it my second home because yeah, yeah. It, I, I feel at home. The food there um, is influenced by Indian culture. So you get like curry goat and things of that sort. And they use a lot of Indian spices like turmeric yeah. um, in their curries. We, we had this uh, Jamaican lady at our last church that would bring this amazing um, curry goat dish to all the potlucks. And like, I, I swear, she just cut up the whole goat and just dumped it in a pot, boiled it, spiced it, did yeah, whatever. Oh, exactly. It was so good. And then Jamaican patties, of course. Of course. Homemade yeah. Jamaican patties are amazing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, they're different out there. Everything tastes different out there for whatever reason, um, even Red Stripe. Uh, you have Red really? Stripe here. And you have red stripe. I, like I won't necessarily touch a red stripe out here because it it just doesn't taste the same. Weird. Um, the food there is incredible. I personally have these like digestive problems. Um, uh, 
maybe you could call it IBS or irritable yeah. bowel syndrome. Um, you should be talking to my wife. Oh, we should have brought her on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I think we should have. <laughs> if she can help me. Yeah. But I tell you, you go. I go out to Jamaica, and I, I mean, within 24 hours, um, you feel better. Like everything, like all of my symptoms, uh, from let's say they're at 80 to 90 percent, drop down to five to eight really? percent within 12 to 24 hours of being in Jamaica. And the food is, and I think it's a testament to the food, quite honestly. Yeah. The food is... You think it's more just pure, the, maybe? Yeah, it's just very natural. I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, this, and maybe it's also a, kind of like a more of a gluten-free type of yeah. diet as well. More I mean, vegetable and meat, vegetable less breads. Yeah. And, yeah. More uh, starch than that. So. People are probably going to get tired of hearing this, but my because what my wife does, um, she's changed my diet wholeheartedly, and I have almost no breads, no sugars, and no dairy. I'm just basically meat, fruit, and vegetables, and I've never felt better. Like it's even here, no fast food, no restaurants, just make our own from scratch, and it's I mean, I feel amazing. Like it's, I think it's the only way to do it. I, I find it incredible. I mean, I, I obviously I feel like I'm going off topic here, but I, I find it incredible that, and this is probably my biggest complaint with um, first world countries, well, Canada more specifically, is I feel like our food is terrible. If you compare mm. our food to all the other countries I've been in, and this last year I spent a lot of time traveling, um, recently got engaged, and so oh, my congrats. fiance and I, thank you, and so my fiance and I, have really made traveling a goal of ours. So from being from like uh, Portugal, Thailand, India, uh, Jamaica, Mexico, and it's all within this last year, but all of these places, the food is so much better. It's so much more natural. Like, um, whereas here, everything seems to be processed and it's, it's kind of a fast food bin. And and I understand it as well because we all live that type of life. I know you, you're up early and, uh, 5am every morning. So, um, it's it's tough, you know. Yeah. It's tough for everyone, but uh, it would just it'd just be nice to have some healthier alternatives. Um, yeah, but. I um, I lived in the Okanagan for a couple of years, maybe three years prior to moving here. And in the Okanagan, you have all these uh, you know farms right there, the orchards and and that. So I would literally go pick two or three days worth of fruit and vegetables, bring it home and eat it like it was fresh off the tree or fresh out of the ground. Uh, find some, you know, good beef or chicken, and that's all I ate there. And then when I moved to Calgary, none of the produce tasted real, and so I I stepped away from it a ton and started eating out and and not really taking care of my body well because it just didn't taste good, you know. And I think they're getting better at it now. You can go to the farmers market down in For sure. Blackfoot there and get some amazing the, we uh, fruits have and vegetables. Now. I mean, they're yeah. not they're not cost effective, but there's definitely options. Yeah. I was in. Uh, I mean, this is. 11, 12 years ago, was also in uh, China. And mm. when I immediately went and when I arrived there, all the food tasted very um, bitter, almost sour. Mm. And after about a week, I really began to enjoy the food uh, to the point where when I um, was reintroduced to like chocolate or like um, a hamburger, I couldn't eat it because the chocolate was overwhelmingly sweet. Yeah. And... And the uh, hamburger, or sorry, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving in the wrong direction. Um, the the hamburgers, like at McDonald's, were extremely salty. Wow! And uh, it just your your taste buds go to what your environment is. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to bring you back to Jamaica a little bit. So. Spending nine of the last 10 years going there and working with, uh, I think it's mostly children, you were saying? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a criteria where we'll see approximately 300 um, people yeah. in a day. Oh, Dinah, how many of you? Yeah, there will be four doctors, three three to four doctors, um, one optician, and if we're lucky, we can get an assistant in there. Yeah. Um, but primarily, it's usually three to... Three doctors and one optician is our minimum team, okay. and we kind of go from there. I have worked with my first year. I was I just come out of school. We had one lead doctor that had done this before, and uh, we had one fourth year resident. So still learning things, and one optician. And we were there in clinic from like eight a.m. to like five o'clock, yeah. and uh, we had we had done like three hundred and fifty or four hundred. Um, people that that day yeah and it's it's a system it's a refined system um one of the uh, doctors or a few of the doctors that i can name off the top of my head that 
kind of started this. They they were from Waterloo, and so about thirty years ago, they had gone to Jamaica and for um, I believe like a kind of like a rotation in a sense to help out, and yeah. they saw the need there, and so they. They, they just went back and these are just like four or five buddies that uh, really saw a need and they yeah. loved it out there. Um, they made connections with the Lions group, which is a very prominent group in, in Jamaica. That's not like the Canadian Lions. It is. Oh, okay. Same, same, same one. Same bet. Yeah, Beautiful. you bet. So, yeah. uh, and they do incredibly, uh, they do incredible uh, work out there. It's yeah. wonderful work. And so, uh, Dr. Jerry Lineweber, uh, Bob Erlson, um, Pat Murphy, these are uh, these are a few guys that are the founders of this, and this is, goes to like 30, 35 years ago. Wow. You know, so they, they've already kind of come up with a, a way to, to, to do it. So yeah. I, I didn't go in there and reinvent the wheel. They, they just said, hey, this Show is kind of what works. This yeah, is what's gonna this is how you're going to do it. Yeah. And trust us. And, and sure enough, um, it's, a, it's a great system. Uh, it seems impossible to see... 300 people, but uh, we do it, uh, mostly kids, uh, like you yeah. said, or like I said earlier, 200 um, out of the or 300 would be the children, yeah. and that's our goal. We, we want to ensure that the children can see well. We know, statistically, children learn um, primarily through their vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70% of learning is done. I mean, that's why the government here um, allows for children's eye exams to be covered with Alberta Healthcare, right? So right. here we're allowing children to have eye exams with optometrists. They don't have to, you don't have to pay out of pocket with that. Yeah. And so we wanted to give a similar type of care to the children out in Jamaica. So what kind of what kind of things are you finding down there? Why is there such a need for the doctors to go down there? Um, well, first of all, none of these kids have had eye exams. Um, uh, there's schools with that what children would have learning disabilities. And a lot of these learning disabilities um, can actually stem from uh, visual impairments. Okay. Um, for the children, it's just a, a strictly a learning thing. Yeah. Um, for the adults, you got uh, some of these adults who are, you ask them what they do for a living. And they are like truck drivers that drive, you know, through the island. And these are these are pretty uh, trying driving conditions. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine it's like the deer foot, nice and wide no. and well placed together. And... <laughs> so I, I actually drive out there as well. And uh, the infrastructure has improved greatly over the past 10 years. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's it's different, right? Um, you're, you're dodging people, potholes, chickens, and... Uh, <laughs> And there's no there's no railing on the edge of that uh, yeah. road when you're traveling up the mountain um, to to get the other side of the island. So um, yeah, uh, needless to say, your visual demand there is going to be pretty high. Yeah, and these guys are nearsighted. You got you got drivers who uh, <laughs> who would never pass legally pass a driver's vision test here wow. because th- there's just the standardization there is is not yeah. there. It's not appropriate. So. What we're doing there is we're doing basic things like making sure that people who are in those positions can see well right. and, and can do their job appropriately. Do you supply glasses for them? Do you Ab- take absolutely? Yeah, yeah. We we uh, absolutely provide those glasses. Of course, no charge. Yeah. For the seniors, a lot of these seniors. I mean, anybody over forty who um, comes into my office generally says. You know, having difficulty seeing things, pulling things away, and yeah. uh, you know, it's not a problem with my vision. It's just my arms aren't uh, long <laughs> enough, sort of thing. Yeah. And um, I got a good question for you. A friend of mine has a um, a buddy uh, used to be in his youth group back uh, on uh, the East Coast, and said basically everyone at the age of forty starts to need glasses or around that age group. Why is it that our culture at at that age uh, our eyes diminish so bad? At 40. Around 40, 45 years old. Yeah, and a great question. It's actually not just our culture. It okay. is, uh, that is just a natural phenomenon. Really? Yeah, that has to do with the physiology of the eye. And so now you can imagine a population in Jamaica that um, is very spiritual. Um, there's a lot of Christians out there. A lot of the work we do will be in the back of a church, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And this, this buddy I'm talking about, that's where he did his very first mission trip was in some city in, in Jamaica. I can't remember what city it was he went to. But okay. uh, um, anyways, he, he took 
when he became a Christian, he took this young man who then became an optometrist. So they had worked together in Jamaica um, as just Christians, not as a doctor or anything like that. So Incredible. it's funny that, yeah, the stories are lining up. But so what's, what's the reason that we all... So the reasoning behind that is um, inside your eye, you have a lens. Yeah. Um, and this lens focuses... Uh, or, or automatically consider it an autofocus, yeah. right? Um, the only unfortunate part is, uh, well, since birth, this lens slowly grows thicker and thicker and thicker. So okay. it grows a, it grows another layer. So consider it like a transparent onion. Okay. So if you were to cut an onion in half, you would see the different concentric rings. Yeah. So think of the lens in your eye just like that. And with every hmm. year of age, you grow another ring. Um, kind of like a tree in a sense. Okay. So this lens, as it becomes thicker, it also um, loses its, its elasticity. Mm-hmm. And so its ability to focus on distance and near, or in, our, in this case, obviously near, yeah. um, will, will start to diminish. Mm-hmm. And so what this does, unfortunately, it strips people away from their near vision. Uh, you have devout Christians out there and they lose their capacity to read the Bible. Yeah. Um, and it's just basic things. And this is something that can be solved with a uh, $1 or $2 reader. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is just a over-the-counter reading glass. Like, we're not out there to, like, give them the most accurate uh, glasses, you know, to give them the sharpest vision possible. We're just trying to give them functional vision here. So do you guys just come up with, a you know, order boxes of these out of China, super cheap, and you just got your plus 10s and you your minor? You nailed it. Oh, perfect. You nailed it. So cool. the problem in the past um, was when you donate glasses, finding somebody with that exact prescription, not likely. Yeah. Okay, number one. Number two, now everybody that wears glasses at least knows how it feels when their prescription is just a little bit off. Right. Right. Now you can imagine yourself wearing somebody else's glasses and then yeah. being told, well, that's just the best we got, so uh, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, they're probably going to end up leaving it because of the headaches and, and, and the visual discomfort. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's another way of doing that. Um, we outsource to China. Yeah. Uh, we give these people brand new frames. You know, it's, it's also kind of a dignity thing, right? Yeah. Um, giving these people used products. And at the cost that we can get them at these days... It just makes more sense um, to give them a brand new product. We give them something that's going to match their prescription uh, much closer. Yeah. And uh, and and quite simply, you will have people walk out of that church screaming like hallelujah nice. and praise Jesus. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. just because um, they can read their Bible. And, and quite honestly, to just have that, just to have one or two people like that. Yeah. It is so rewarding. Yeah. Um, it, it takes me back every every year, obviously. Um, we do also make uh, custom glasses. Okay. So uh, there is a lab company that we work with, Plastics Plus, mm-hmm. uh, I believe is the name of this company. And they donate thousands of dollars uh, worth of lenses okay. uh, at no cost as well. So that wow. is how they are contributing um, to uh, to this whole endeavor. Beautiful. So you'll have people with a lot of um, astigmatism or things of that sort. Yeah. And yeah, so for those that need, 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 that custom prescription, we'll do it. Nice. Um, and for those that we can kind of get away with using a pre-made or pre-fabricated... Uh, Just those reader glasses. Reader glasses and then that, you're that good. solves it, yeah. Cool. So is that mostly what you see out there? Is just a lot of, you know, the, the vision starting to go, stigmatisms, that kind of thing? Or are you seeing more disease? Like, there, I don't, so this might sound ignorant. Jamaica doesn't have, like, the parasite problem like a lot of uh, African countries do, does it? Um, great question. I, I wouldn't consider it ignorant at all. I, I would say, given that environment, uh, it's an excellent question. There are similarities. Um I can't say personally that we've seen, uh, that I have seen a lot of the parasite problem yeah. with the flies and whatnot, because that's what will happen there is you, you'll get uh, flies or this uh, condition called trichiasis, which is um, uh, associated more so with the flies. And, um, you know, come to think of it, I, I, I can't say honestly, we, I see a lot of flies down there. Okay. And, and that's a little odd. I, I, I don't 
know why that is. Um, however, that environment does uh, create um, essentially the leading cause of treatable blindness, which would be cataracts. Okay. Okay. A lot of glaucoma, given yeah. their um, African descent. Yeah. And so this... Uh, demographic. Sorry, Africans are more susceptible to glaucoma? Correct. Yeah, so it's kind of a hereditary uh, really? genetic thing. Yeah. Okay. And these guys have never had eye exams. They, they have a test and, you know, they never had a test. And this is a, a total, totally treatable condition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But without anybody there to diagnose it, without any means to treat it, um, it's a problem. And so... Well, and also with genetically, if you're... Two people with bad eyes are making a baby. They're making a baby with bad eyes, and then that baby makes Nailed babies it. with worse eyes, Absolutely. worse eyes, worse eyes. So if you don't start treating it, then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. For sure. And we will never, I mean, unless you get <laughs> and, and you get into genetics, we will never be able to change that factor. Yeah. However, we can still treat the condition and prevent or slow down yeah. that process of blindness. Beautiful. That comes uh, with that. And again, it's very, very simple, yeah. right? Like we're talking, um, we're talking like eye drops, yeah. Um, which is the, the cost of these, especially in generic formulation, isn't bad. Yeah. Um, it's a lack of education there, uh, which is another problem. So uh, the doctors with uh, that originated this uh, obviously see where this is all heading, right? So now we're helping these people. We're saying, okay, well, you have glaucoma. Um, here are some sample drops that were donated through, you know, a terrific uh, company like Alcon. Yeah. And they uh, donate these pharmaceuticals for us. And now we'll see you next year. Well, that sample is going to last uh, maybe a few, maybe a couple of weeks, really. Yeah. And then that's it. Wow. Right. And so we really felt, in a sense, helpless. We weren't sure if we were doing any good in when it came to at least that component of it. So now uh, they have built or taken over a office and we now actually have our own clinic. So beautiful. So what we are now trying to do is have a clinic that when we go out into the uh, rural areas that we can actually have these people sent to one of like to our essentially clinic. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to work with local authorities to see if we can get funding for their drops and things yeah. of that sort. Work with some of these big farm pharmaceutical companies like Alcon to see if they can help us with that component Donate more. Bigger. Yeah, just a little bit. Do you guys do any public fundraising? Like, what what else helps fund this? Obviously, you've got uh, companies donating stuff to you, but right. where, where does the cash come from to, you know, grow this? Yeah. So the the the, the cash flow will come from a lot of the volunteers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like I get paid to go down there. Yeah. Um, my stay for the days that I don't work, like obviously I have to arrive a day or two before that, that's not getting paid. I The only thing that they'll essentially cover with the help of the Lions Club. So the Lions Club is big out there. Okay. Uh, they help um, a little bit as well with uh, accommodation yeah. and things of that sort. All the doctors have to pay their own way. There's no reimbursement for that. Um, where with the days, other than the days we work, we don't. We have to pay for our own accommodation. Yeah. And um, and then we also have Canadian Vision Care, our website that we accept donations. Yeah. We're trying to work a little bit more with that, like in our offices, to be like you know, you purchase a set of eye exam, uh, sorry, glasses per se, and a portion of that, like. Three dollars would, excuse me, go to the uh, go to uh, the proceeds to to fund the glasses, and nice. so it's kind of like a, a Tom's um, philosophy. Where Buy some glasses from us, we'll donate a couple so of bucks. To so yeah, so you you're buying you're buying a pair of glasses from us, and now that you're actually giving a pair of glasses, you're, you're actually giving two or three pairs of glasses. Oh yeah, because they're just the dollar glasses, right. so you, you're giving right. a lot. Yeah, that's and, pretty awesome. And we're also able to ensure that the like from the source, we do check to ensure that the quality of the the product is also um, good. Because like, yeah, you can get readers from a dollar store, but we don't even know the material that that lens is made out of. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, again, the the idea is to to give something that's economical, but um, somewhat decent quality because yeah. it, it needs to last like it it needs to last at least a couple of years yeah yeah um and so 
to get them back in the program after they've been through it, I imagine it's difficult. You guys have a limited amount of time down there, and you're trying to get 300 people a day right. um, that you know to get through a whole country of people that needs classes is a lot. Yeah, and, uh, and again, it's just basic. These are just basic necessities, right? Yeah. Cool, cool. I uh, I wanted to ask you a question about my wife because uh, we're probably going to make a large purchase for this year. So her eyes. Uh, You'll be able to explain this better. She can't do the the laser thing because her eyes, the the lenses are too thin. So there's a surgery that we're going to do. I think it's about four or five thousand dollars per eye. I think they replace the lens. Do you know about this? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I have uh, I have an understanding and I have some knowledge on it. I'm definitely okay. not an expert because I don't perform that in surgery. surgery yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean it's um uh, an incredible advancement. Mm-hmm. Uh. Things that need to be considered in a situation like that would be, number one, your age. Okay. And why I say that is going back to that whole over 40 yeah. and the reading portion pulling away, if if your wife is naturally nearsighted or something of that sort, then she can always take off her glasses and read. Mind you, she has to hold it pretty close, but she, she can read. Her, her phone is about... Two inches from her face. Right. So, so she's really nearsighted. Yeah. So uh, in this case, it's going to be great for her, for her distance vision. Um, I'm also nearsighted, uh, not as nearsighted as your wife, but yeah, yeah uh, waking up in the middle of the night and I guess being able to walk to the bathroom without having to uh, stumble around to find your glasses before you do something like that or to get up to get a glass of water. Yeah. I think that that would be... Um, that would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, the procedure is very safe. The surgeons these days especially are, are so good. Um, yeah. The technology is so good. And uh, the risk of any type of, you know. I, I attribute it to getting, like, new eyeballs. To me, that is, you know, like you said earlier, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And you're like, if she gets new eyes, this is going to be creepy as all get <laughs> You know, you go look in your wife's eyes and like, no, it's not the same lady I saw last week. Well, it'll, it'll be the same. Uh, you might actually be able to, like, you'll be, you know, when you're looking deep into her eyes, <laughs> uh, you will maybe be able to see the outside uh, ring of that lens. Yeah, they really? Generally, yeah. It, so it depends where they put it, but usually they put it in what we call the anterior chamber. So that's just in front of the colored part of that eye. Okay. Right? So they're not replacing like that whole colored part of the eye. No, okay, no. Good. So everything else looks like, yeah, I bet <laughs> she has beautiful eyes. So you'll still be able to see that. Um, that won't get away from the reading problem, right? So anybody after 40 is going to have difficulty. Essentially, you have two prescriptions. Yeah. And one of them is going to be the reading component. So she okay. will still need glasses for reading, right? Um, but just not her day-to-day stuff. Not day-to-day stuff. So then that's when people start to ask the question, then what's the point, right? Like, what if I can just wear a contact lens? And then um, if I could wear a contact lens comfortably, uh, then I would just wear readers over that. Yeah, she hasn't been able to. So she did for years and years and years. And then she developed, um, I think it's basically a plastic allergy. So uh, she had had a few jobs where, you know, she was working in grocery stores and touching plastic fairly often and she would break out. And so she had to stop doing those. And that's when she went back to school for um, nutrition. Um, but the contacts were the same thing. She puts a contact in now, say, to, to go swimming and go to the gym. She leaves it in more than three or four hours. Like, her eyes swell up and red and bloodshot yeah, So definitely, nasty. obviously, yeah. definitely an allergic reaction. Yeah. Um, contact lenses, the soft ones especially, come in primarily two different material types. Yeah. Uh, the more common, uh, more common material is silicone hydrogel. Okay. And this material is uh, incredible. It's very soft, comfortable, permeates oxygen. That's the big one. Because mm-hmm. your cornea actually gets, it, it breathes. Okay. Uh, and it actually gets most of its oxygen from the air because it's transparent. It doesn't have blood vessels going through it hmm. like the rest of your body. Yeah. Right? And of course, it needs nutrients and oxygen. Yeah. And so it actually relies on. Uh, on the air to for oxygen to diffuse through the tear film. So those old glass uh, contact lenses must have been horrible for your eyes. Great question. Um, actually, they were better than the pla- than, than the really? plastic soft lenses. Okay. And the reason being is that it used a whole different um, principle where the tear film exchange or the tear exchange. So oxygen diffuses into your tears. Yeah. And then from the tears, it gets uh, to your cornea. Okay. And so with a hard lens like that, the tears, when that when you blink, 
that lens would actually move a little bit. Yeah. And so the tears um, kind of flush through, not through, but behind the lens. So they go wow. from behind out to the front, from the front over the top of the lens back you okay. know, the back side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a cycle there that's naturally created with your blink. Yeah. And so uh, you, you were still actually getting an adequate amount of oxygen given that that lens fit appropriately. Really? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, we're excited. The uh, Of course, moms tend to take the back uh, back seat on the bus and don't uh, don't get everything up front. And so kids have had braces and glasses. And my wife's glasses are like, we joke, say they're like the Coke bottle bottom glasses. Like we get her the good ones and they're still like crazy, crazy thick. So uh, we're excited to get the surgery for her and get her eyes better yeah, and healthy. Super exciting. Yeah. Uh, who are you going through out of curiosity? I don't know that she's found a doctor yet. So if you have a recommendation, we'll definitely go go see that doctor. Sure. But I think there's only a few in Calgary. There's only a few. It. The only one that I know is um, Dr. DeMong. Um, but uh, he's been doing it for uh, <laughs> a long, let's just say a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy you want. Cool, cool. I, uh, I got a question about me, and then we'll get back to you. Uh, um, so I tried contacts probably... I don't know, two or three years ago. And when I, I tried them, they said, oh, you might have some problems with this. I think it's called a pingula. And it's basically like a fat buildup in your eyes. And so I haven't been able to wear them. I've been trying to find a doctor that'll pluck those fat tubes out of my eyes so I don't have to wear glass. But this isn't possible, is it? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Uh, See, you're the one, first that gave me some hope. Yeah, well... Um, at the end of the day, money talks. Mm. So that's kind of what it all comes down to. Yeah. Okay, so what uh, what it sounds like you have is pingequila, okay, which is a it's almost like a callus, um, yeah. and it looks like a depositing on the front of your eye. And actually, now that little, I can see a little it, yellow, I'm, I'm like staring into your eyes here. <laughs> <laughs> Things are getting creepy over here, um, and so I, I can actually see that little bump yeah. uh, on the inside portion of the white part of the eye. Yeah. And so there, that tissue. Um, also known as the conjunctiva, that tissue is thickened there. And that is secondary to UV light exposure. Hmm. Now, it is not going to hurt you. It's not a tumor. It's not no. going to make you go blind. Uh, it's obviously more of a personal um, aesthetic type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my concern when I see things like that is, well, if the front of the eye has received that amount of UV light, how much UV light has gone through that pupil yeah. and penetrated through the lens and entered and, and hit that retina. I am so guilty of never wearing sunglasses. sunglasses yeah. um, even like I didn't get my prescriptions till I was like 38 or 39. Um, I might have even been close to 40 before I got my prescription. And um, uh, before that, I'd never wore glasses, like sunglasses either. So I don't now, never did. These probably have some UV protection just as because they're plastic, right? Right, right. Yeah. 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 Inertly, it's going to help. Yeah. some um, UV blockage there. Wow. Um, but I wouldn't be too worried about it, okay? If you are really worried about the aesthetics part, um, you can always, I'm sure we can find a specialist that you could pay to yeah. have them cut off. But uh, That sounds expensive. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what it would cost. I can always find out for you. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that it would quite honestly be a waste of your money yeah. because you're now performing surgery on something that is... Um, non-harmful non-harmful yeah unless it gets bigger and you don't wear glasses so if you don't wear your sunglasses more specifically or uv protection and those things get bigger and this is a, these are the kind of things you'll see for example in jamaica because no they don't have sunglasses these things actually lots grow. of sunshine yeah lots of sunshine which is beautiful beautiful yeah. jamaica sun will grow over the cornea and if it starts to intersect what we call the visual axis or that area right in front of that uh, pupil the black part of your eye yeah Obviously, at that point, it is blocking your vision. And so, uh, yeah, you don't want that. No, no. <laughs> All right, I got, I got some more questions for sure. you. I was reading through your uh, bio that you sent us here. And uh, you got your um, Bachelor of Science, mm -hmm. uh, but you also went into kinesiology. So I'm wondering how you come from kinesiology to optometry. Because they're not they're, they're opposite sides, but they're not, uh, they're not, well, not that I know that are very related. Yeah, great question. Um, quite honestly, my initial goal was medicine. Yeah, um, I've always enjoyed uh, that field. Uh, all throughout high school, I took sports med. 
Nice. And this was an additional course that I had to take over my lunch hours. Um, and so, you know, when people like just meet the minimum requirements through high school, yeah. I, I exceeded it by a good number. Yeah. Um, and so the point being is that I thoroughly enjoy medicine and in that field, biology, um, physics actually was something I was just naturally good at. Yeah. And so when I was in university, I was applying for med school and I was like third year in and uh, well, I hadn't gotten, or three years had gone by and I hadn't gotten into med school or anything of that sort. You know? And so under the advice of my father, it was like, you need to keep options open. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you'd say like doors close by themselves. <laughs> so, um, I, Is your dad in medicine? No, he's not. You know, okay. he, he wanted to be, but um, back in Kenya, it just wasn't an opportunity there for him. Yeah. Um, financial circumstances and family circumstances uh, kind of held him uh, away from that. Yeah. So I guess given that, uh, that situation, he was, he's always been very supportive. Uh, both, very both, cool. both my parents have been yeah. very supportive of my endeavor um, and my education. It's very important for them because that was an opportunity that they just, they did just, just did not have. And it and was so much easier to do it in Canada, for sure. Yeah, there's yeah. one word, if I could uh, break it down, it's opportunity. Yeah. Right here, if you want it, you can have it. Um, but that you could that, that word is, this does not apply to 95% of people in this world, I would right. say. Um, we, we are the 1%, right? Yeah. The, like, the Canada, truly, the U.S., we're truly, the 1%. Truly, truly, truly. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's a Canadian uh, clinical psychologist, and he has a podcast, and he, he's quite famous in Canada right now for a bunch of things. But one of the things that he's doing is he's starting to rate universities. And the reason he's rating them on whether they're going to educate you or indoctrinate you. So throughout Canada and the U.S., these universities have a bit of a, um, not that there's anything wrong with indoctrinating somebody, but he just wants the people to know when they show up at that school if you're going to be a social justice warrior or if you're going to be a doctor or psychologist. You know what I mean? Uh, so one of the things that he's working on is that and then also a testing system so that you don't have to go to a university to get an education and spend bucket loads of money that goes mostly to administration. So if you listen to his, um, I always want to call them sermons or not sermons, uh, lectures. <laughs> um, if you listen to his lectures and you read the books he recommends, you could eventually get tested and become a psychologist without ever having to go to school because what's the difference if you're driving around doing what I do, listening to lectures on psychology and you come home and you read the books. How is that different than a university student other than maybe some social aspects? And then eventually being able to write the test for it. So like you said, the, the opportunity is growing for everybody. So, you know, I'm not this deep intellectual that can spend hours and hours reading. I have to gain a lot of my knowledge through um, um, listening. And I have friends that are teachers that just they, they tear me up for not doing enough reading. But either way, I can gain the knowledge um, in different ways now while I do my regular job. And hopefully, you know, 10, 12 years down the road, maybe I get a psychology degree and, and write my test and, and be a psychologist. And again, you look at, the, you know, you talk about opportunity. Like, I literally can put an earbud in my ear and between my, you know, appointments on my regular job, I can gain a psychology degree. And how amazing would that be? Incredible. Yeah. Honestly, just incredible. I mean, that also, it's also scary because that tells you <laughs> competition is going to be fierce, right? It now, will be fierce. Yeah. Now people that didn't have an opportunity or very intelligent uh, now have that opportunity, which they should. I think that that yeah, yeah. is something that they should have. Um, I, don't, I don't think that uh, education or, or, you know, obviously in my Endeavor vision uh, are things that uh, are exclusive. Right, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the, the cost of going to university, even though we have great opportunities to do it here, student loans and government grants and scholarships and all that kind of stuff, um, it's still expensive, you know, to become a, an RN costs you, what, probably minimum $60,000. And it's, it's increasing, right? Like, it, yeah. it, it, there's no... There's no end to it. And um, where's the money going to, though? Like, is it going to something that's bettering the system, that's growing? I, I know um, in the, the nutrition field, talking to, uh, I'm being a really big advocate for my parents and their health issues right now. And uh, so I'll go to their doctor and talk about their nutrition. And their regular GP 
will, um, like, you know more than I do. Well, that shouldn't be the case, right? But with the, the technology we have now, we should be able to upgrade doctors much faster and get the, the new studies to the general population faster, right? By the time they figure out something in a lab, it's 20 years before doctors start saying, hey, this yeah. might be good for you. Well, that's what we'd say in school. Um, any textbook that we were learning from, and that was the most up-to-date current um, textbook, was already five years out, yeah. of, out of date. Right, right? yeah. Uh, so there's that um, lag, yeah. uh, for lack of better words. And again, that's an opportunity too, right? We have so much technology now and so much studying going on that it's nearly impossible for a doctor to stay absolutely at the, the peak of, of what's coming in. For sure. Um, and that's, uh, that's why, I mean, we have continuing education. Um, mm-hmm. Like so for the Alberta Association um, of optometry or, or actually more so the College of Optometry, yeah. uh, that's the regulatory body, uh, requires continual education. So um, at least in our field, that is a body that is ensuring uh, that everybody is up to date on their education. Yeah. Uh, should there be an expansion of the scope, we would have to write tests for it. Really? Yeah. How uh, how often do you guys go back to school, or how many hours a year do you guys spend re-educating? Um, I think off the top of my head, I should know this, but I, I think it's at least sixty hours a year. Wow. At least. Yeah. yeah. So it's, that's pretty awesome. It's somewhere around there, and and all of these things can count towards education. Um, you know, like lectures, or sometimes there'll be sponsored events from the contact lens companies promoting uh, new technology in their, yeah. um, you know, their their market. Awesome. Yeah. Um, how much do you guys study uh, like concussion and and brain injury? Because I know you guys have a probably a better view on it than most doctors do. Um, absolutely, there are. There are optometrists that spend or focus in those areas, like traumatic brain injury, yeah. um, concussions, and things like, uh, well, light sensitivity would be one. Yeah. And so uh, there are, we're, we can't necessarily call them specialists, okay. but we can call them um, optometrists that have an area of interest um, okay. in there. And so... If you went to any optometrist, we kind of have a booklet of, of the other optometrists that like to focus in, in those areas. Um, there's areas such as vision therapy. So there's some like basic vision therapy that we will do, for example, in our office. But there are actual clinics. Um, one doctor is Dr. Luke, uh, Debbie Luke, and she has an arsenal of equipment and technology for help. for concussions. Oh yeah, for vision therapy and and concussions and, okay. and things of that sort. Sure. I, I just recently listened to a podcast uh, with Dale Earnhardt. He talked about all of his concussions, and he had a, it. It was a neurologist, I think, that that did the test. But there were eye exercises to overcome the right. right. So this is where an optometrist like Doctor Look would come in. So this was Very this cool. is the vision therapy component yeah. um, of that, and so. You can definitely train. You can train the brain. Um, you can improve eye skills. That's what he was talking about. It was amazing because um, uh, I, I love MMA. Um, I used to fight and train and and, and all that. Um, not so much anymore. But uh, I get accused of having some uh, brain injuries <laughs> from doing it. And uh, this this neurologist could say, well, you know, if you're feeling this or thinking this or we see this symptom, then it's this part of your brain that's damaged. And so these are the exercises going to do with your eyes and they would do stuff like have the eye chart on the wall and as you're reading from a to z you're stepping backward two steps stepping forward two steps stepping side like right stepping left while you're doing the reading and just training your brain to focus on what it needs to focus on i guess absolutely yeah Yeah. so there's things like focusing or accommodation and then there's also things like eye tracking and these can also be used in sports so um, there are some uh, I can't re- I can't recall when this was, but there was a major league baseball team that had hired um, a vision therapist or an really? optometrist, and they worked on the eye skills there. Uh, needless to say, they went on to win the championship. But it was things like being able to determine the spin of the ball, right? Because you need to read that. Yeah, um, yeah the, essentially the way the laces would spin. Yeah. Uh, we work with technologies with contact lenses to improve contrast um, and and lighting. So for even <laughs> even in hockey, we would 
yeah. use tinted lenses. And, and we had worked with things like that at the school. Uh, yeah. Pacific University works very closely with Nike. Yeah. And that's just because they're both in Portland, Oregon there. Wow. And so we actually did a lot of the testing and have helped develop um, things like Nike's golf lenses and things of that sort. Really? So determining those color hues and whatnot can really enhance your ability to do things. I mean, there's there's just so much when it comes to the eyes. Um, even even as an optometrist, you know, at four years, you almost think it's it's not even enough. Uh, it's 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 endless, quite honestly. I, uh, I I don't know if you listen to many podcasts, but Elon Musk was just recently on Joe Rogan, and you know that. They always have these kind of conspiracy theories about what's coming up for you know medicine that you know eventually medicine's going to be so good that we're just going to take our eyeballs out and put some digital piece in there that we can you know whatever cyborg the world right we can right. you know see what we want to see on TV just through our eyes or we can control something with our eyes. Have you seen any technology like that? Sure, um, there are really dis- there there are diseases like uh, retinitis pigmentosa that essentially just strip people of their vision, and so it's not quite that good. I mean, we are talking about a living piece of tissue that's in our body that converts physical light energy um, into chemical energy through um, chemical. Uh, reactions yeah. to produce an electrical uh, output, which is then fired down through your neuron. So you're you're talking about uh, you know uh, uh, just like a, this yeah. is so cool. Yeah, it's incredible. Like we, I'm not, I can't necessarily say we have that kind of technology, but what we do is we have maybe a technology to help boost that electric signal. Yeah. And so uh, there have been. Um, there has been some technology where the chips have been inserted into the retina as kind of boosters, kind of like your, I don't know, a Wi-Fi booster, right? And to get a signal really? at the other end of the room, and you need that, that signal boosted in order for it to get there. Yeah. Well, if the retina is unable to produce a strong enough signal, if this chip could just boost whatever little signal it, it was able to, to produce, yeah. then now you can see. Right. Unbelievable. Right. But I don't know. I mean, then I'll go into a personal thought, but I would say that it's kind of more like stem cell research yeah. would allow that. Because the retina is really considered an extension of the brain, yeah. you know, biologically speaking. And so, therefore, just like when your brain becomes damaged, how much you can do there? Yeah. The retina is no different. Okay. Okay. So that's why, like, when you hear your optometrist say annual eye exam, annual eye exam, right? It's it's because you we can't. I mean, we can treat to an extent with uh, the amazing work of ophthalmology, yeah. but there are limitations there. You're dealing with a tissue that cannot be regenerated. Yeah. So the most effective and arguably the cheapest form of medicine is prevention. Yeah. And so... Take care of your eyes. Yeah. Wear sunglasses. Wear eye protection. Routine checks. Yeah. These are the things, uh, these are the things that we are definitely... I'm I'm super interested in stem cells. Uh, some of the stuff I'm hearing coming out of Panama right now is is amazing because they've got no restrictions as far as testing down there. So they're able to test all different types of stem cells and how they work on different things, and you know which we're not allowed to do in in Canada or the U.S. right now. So have you heard about any research around stem cells with vision and sight? And I I honestly personally have not. Okay, um, but. How I understand it is that's just getting down to the cellular level, right? If you can have that cell regenerate and um, or or take healthy cells more specifically and regenerate them yeah. to produce the job that they were designed to do, right? Then you're golden, yeah. right? I mean, obviously, you don't want to be taking the current cells because they obviously genetically potentially had had produced a disease that they were pre-programmed to do in right, a sense, right? Because right? yeah. there's that hereditary component. Um, that person didn't have a chance, uh, a disease like retinitis pigmentosa. Yeah. I mean, that that cell was programmed to, to malfunction, yeah. right? So if you could replace it with a cell that, that does the same thing, good. that's nose good, and can do that, boom, there you go, problem solved. <sighs> it's yeah. only a matter of time, right? I, I mean, it'd be incredible. I... I I feel very blessed to have my vision 
Um, that's probably something that everybody takes for granted um, for sure. um, very easily. And, uh, I, again, I, I, I go back to saying that I don't think vision should be a privilege, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I hope and, and in a sense pray that those that don't have it or have lost it for whatever reason, um, that they should be able to have that back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm super excited what's coming. I don't know if you heard the story about Mel Gibson's dad going down to Panama. So Mel Gibson's dad was like 92 years old, and um, basically everything was shutting down. His hips were blown out. His organs were given way, and and you know Mel Gibson's got as much money as God. And he's like, I don't want to lose my dad right yet. What do I got to do? So he phones his doctor. I can't remember his name right now in Panama. Says, is there something you can do? He goes, oh, bring your dad down. Let's see. So they fly him down basically in a gurney or a wheelchair. The old man can't walk. He can't talk at nothing. So they give a couple injections in his hips. They give him uh, intravenous injections. So directly in the vein. Um, Two weeks later, he's up walking. Hips are fine. Organs are firing again. He's hitting on the stewardess, flying back to the U.S., that was eight years longer that he lived. I, I believe he's still alive now. So he's like nine, maybe 10 years from, a, and I think he probably goes down for regular shots and, you know, maybe change a few things in his life. But, you know, essentially the doctor said, you know, that, that's it. Say goodbye to your dad. This is this is what happens when you're 92. Like yeah. it just gives up and they, they shoot him full of a bunch of stem cells and now he's a new man, yeah. literally new. I mean, what we're kind of coming up against is, is quite incredible. I mean, I I don't know the essentially I don't I don't believe that our our system, our environment, um, socioeconomic uh, means can actually handle uh, that. Is is I think the biggest problem here. Too many uh, people. Yeah. Too much food. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. And uh, I remember actually having a conversation with a colleague of mine that. Um, uh, I would also consider one of my mentors um, in one of these Jamaican trips, Dr. Aaron Patel. And we were sitting out there one, one night and he goes, you can imagine that one day we're gonna, people will sit there and go, remember when people used to die? <laughs> like, do you remember? Like, do you, can you believe? Can you believe that people used to die at some point? That's so true, right? isn't it? And they're going to they're gonna sit back and, and laugh at that stuff, like how we, we now kind of treat, I don't know, diseases that... that would eradicate populations yeah. know, back in the day. Yeah. Chicken pox will sure. be no more. The flu, yeah. the common cold. The... Who, who, whoever thought of that back then, right? Right, yeah. yeah. We will have to um, uh, in, uh, habitate other planets. There's <laughs> no way Earth can handle 7 billion more of us, right? It's just, it's not going to be there. Right, and yeah. then it's a, it's, it's a battle, right? I mean, depending if you're spiritual... Or if you have a, a religious belief system, yeah. I mean, where does that all play in? Well, How that's that it, right? In, right? So Christians believe the end result is being being with God, right? Uh, you know, going to heaven and sitting at the right hand of God, and right. and uh, you know, if you never die, how do you get to do that? Right, right. And wow, yeah. I mean, it's same from even a, a Muslim standpoint, right? Yeah, um, a very similar belief system there as well. I did want to ask you about that because uh, um, you brought that up when I got here. We I went to um, the World Religious uh, Conference uh, here in Airdrie. I know that sounds silly to have a World Religious Conference in Airdrie, but they brought um, an Ayman from the Amadala. Is that right, Amadala sector? Of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know of um, them? I I know of them. Okay, I know a little bit of them. Yeah, uh, Islam is um, not as it's not as um, simple as it's kind of portrayed in the media. Yeah. Right. You have a couple of sects, and I think that um, Christianity, like how I, I always relate things back to Christianity because people can relate to that a lot easier, right? Yeah. So you got your Orthodox, and then you have your, is it uh, the Catholics and the Pentecostal, the, Pro, uh, Protestant, right, and and Protestant, Anglican, and yeah. Right. And you have the same thing in, uh, in the Muslim sect, right? Yeah. So, um, that is a sect of Islam. Um, and so uh, it's hard, right? Because when somebody says they're Muslim, their belief system can be very different, very, very different than, than a, uh, another individual. Right. Um, so um, like I am a, I, I practice not obviously to the best extent, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a, a Shia Ismaili Muslim, okay. all right? And so now this is going to be a little bit different than um, 
maybe something like a, a Sunni Muslim or the Hamadiyya, uh, which will practice uh, potentially a style that is uh, related more closely to our ancestors okay. and more more closely to a, the way the Prophet had done things. Yeah. Whereas our faith is not quite like that. It's a little bit more intricate. Uh, we kind of go at the times. We have a present living pope, as you will. Okay. Um, uh, or spiritual leader, um, and he's known as the Aga Khan. And so, Sorry, what was that? The Aga, Aga Khan. So, Aga Khan. Yeah, okay. like A G A, and space K H A N, and okay. um, and does a lot of philanthropic work. A incredible individual was was in the Olympics at some point. Uh, I believe it was downhill skiing. Uh, <laughs> went to school in Harvard, um, and essentially, he is a, a extended descendant of the Prophet. Um, okay. And so that is how. So unlike unlike a pope, a pope is elected. Yeah, he's not essentially or exactly elected. He is appointed by his forefather. Okay, uh, and and so it's it's through blood lineage. Okay, so a little different. Yeah, same concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I, I can imagine with uh, what we see going on in the world right now and how they portray Muslims that it, it could be very disappointing. You know. I sort of attribute like when they they say Muslims are like the Taliban when they say we're like the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> right. That 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 sort of and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the the, the terrorist the um, type Muslim is just a very uneducated uh, right wing almost brainwashed type person. Yes and no. You know, I think that I agree with you, um, and I disagree with you. You know, I I. I think that there are some things where um, they're blown out of proportion. Yeah. But you can't expect that not to be the case when people are, are doing insane things. Right. Right? Like when you are going around opening up fire, or strapping a bomb to your chest and doing, and in my opinion, insane things yeah. and having a lack of respect for humanity. Right. Um, if I were to put myself on the other side of the coin, I would feel the same way, and I would look, and I would probably look at it the same way. So, I think that there has to be, um, and this is now a personal thought process, and so I, I'm no longer, I know, I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of doctors, um, and organizations, doctors or organizations, yeah, yeah. or yeah. even the community that I'm part of. This is a, 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 a Tarek Rajan kind of th- uh, okay. thought here, but yeah, I think there has to be reform in those. In those sects of of Islam, so yeah. those those particular sects that are practicing Islam need reform, right. and they need reform because there is, in my opinion, obviously poor guidance. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't have those things. And I think that as a community, um, that we should all work together towards helping that, because yeah. I think everyone benefits at this point. Um, but what I think people here in perhaps Canada or the Western world or even Christianity don't realize is that those same sects of Islam, um, like for example, like the Taliban or, or whatnot, um, they, they, they kill everyone. They, they, they kill people of my, um, practice as well and my belief system, uh, sure, they've they've killed Christians, and and essentially, and you're either with them or you're against them. Right. So, don't don't think that even potentially being a Muslim would would uh, would protect you in that that stance. Yeah, it doesn't. Crazy people are just crazy people, right? It's a crazy. They're they're crazy people, but the problem is, in my opinion, is education. Yeah. And it's a belief system, right? So it's a belief structure that is ingrained yeah. at a very young age, primarily, yeah. or at an age or an area where maybe individuals are a little bit easier to be um, convinced, or right, right. And so, you know, if you look at the where these where a lot of these things start from, they'll they'll start from um, areas where children are actually stolen from their homes in, in Kenya, yeah. Nigeria, things like that. Um, and then they are essentially brainwashed. Right. 
indoctrinated. Yeah, indoctrinated. Yeah. And then and then now you have the uprising. And it just takes a few of these um, crazy people that have enough money to keep funding that belief structure to allow it to continue. But the reality is they are not the might the majority they are the minority yeah i would agree and the problem is is when the majority are actually peaceful people then how how do you take on um even if they're two percent but these guys carry guns and weapons and things of that sort yeah uh they seem much bigger when they they seem much bigger yeah because when when you're (laughs) when you're dealing with the majority that where they're like if you look at the suda they're they're Greeting is actually "May peace be with you" or "Peace right. be upon you." Yeah. That is how they say hi. That yeah. is their. That is how they. That's how they greet each other. I, I want to say when I listened to the Ayman from uh, the Amadala sect, he he was super super impressive, and I would have to say that our belief systems lined up way deeper than I ever thought they would, and so it was a great education for me to, to listen um, to his view on community and family and what that all meant, and I went, oh, well, this isn't what they're talking about on the news. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't and, it? And they don't, and you know, quite honestly, there was, so there was the uh, Amadal Ayman, there was a, a Jewish a rabbi, there was um, Beautiful. a Mormon uh, Christian there, and then like a... Um, uh, our pastor from our church at that time, Doctor or uh, sorry, Sandy Esfeld, Pastor Sandy Esfeld, and they all got a couple minutes to talk. And the only one I wasn't impressed was with is with the, um, uh, the Jewish rabbi. Uh, quite honestly, I thought he was a bit of a, a jerk. Oh, no. <laughs> and, was, and, and I'm not saying all Jewish people right. at all. It, right, it was just that 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 pastor. particular guy yeah. was just not a good guy, and he, there was nothing about him that made me think, "Well, oh, I got to go learn more about Judaism." But when I listened to the Ayman, I was like, "You know what? This this guy loves people, and he loves his community, and he he wants to see growth and happiness and peace uh, among everyone." It was it was super super impressive for me. Um, I, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet several other uh, uh, Muslim families and, and stuff throughout my um, last few years since I've seen that. And uh, I just realized that, that we're, we're all kind of got that same goal, right? Right. Love your God, love your people, right. um, treat yourself well. Like I this. mean, this, this charity that I'm with, the Alliance Group, that's a, that's a Christian charity, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a church and then I'm, I'm giving out, helping people read the Bible. I mean, to me, that's incredible, yeah. right? It's uh, it's not it's not about like what what that material is. I mean, I, maybe it's more of a personal spiritual belief system. But I would say that every individual that is part of that charity group really has um, a really great uh, maybe moral compass. Where yeah. it's kind of a, a belief of the greater good yeah. and and people's happiness and. I think a lot of time when people judge Muslims as well, they, they should maybe take a, a really, really close look at what Christians have done over the years. Sure. <laughs> sure. You know, we, we haven't been uh, all that stellar, and even there's groups out there, there's that massive Baptist church in the, in the South that, you know, uh, protests soldiers' funerals, and, you know, they, they um, pick on gay people, and they're, 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 pretty, they're pretty horrific. I, I think, think that's just, to tell the truth, I think it comes to humankind. I yeah. think that that is just a human thing. Um, I hate to bring, I would hate, I would hate to ever judge that as being a Christian thing. Yeah. Um, I would never hey, uh, like to, or, uh, you know, judge that as a Muslim thing per se. I would just think that that is a people thing. I think that, yeah. um, there are bad apples from every tree. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that is quite the long and short of it. I, I people look, look for reasons, you know, they look for excuses Media needs to create a story. That's right. their job. It's clickbait, baby. Yeah. That's all it's about. Whatever we can um, get people to click on our ads, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. I, I've talked to my parents at length about just stop watching the local news. Like, th- this isn't good for you. It's not going to bring joy to your life or make it better. It's 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 At your age, just find something that makes you happy. Yeah. Why, why go after it, that? It can be hard these days. Yeah. Um, I think that Canadian... Uh, News is a lot better than maybe our southern counterparts, but there's still going to be news. And yeah. I think that if you take it or you take everything with a grain of salt, and yeah. it'd be okay. But 
If you buy into it wholeheartedly, you got to be some. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> have your brain examined a little bit. <laughs> You're going to be in a lot of trouble. Exactly. <laughs> quite, quite simply, yeah. So I, I want to thank you for coming out. I know you got to get out of here real quick. We're we're a little over an hour into the podcast. No and worries. I know you got somewhere else to be. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. This this was awesome. Um, we uh, we met on through my regular job, and uh, I don't normally ask people out, and I'm glad I did. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again in the near future. Absolutely, this has been a, a pleasure. It's my uh, first time doing anything like this and um i don't know hopefully you'll have me back again for and, sure and yeah could, yeah we could do this again absolutely and maybe this time i'll bring the rum okay maybe one that's not full of glass perfect great <laughs> awesome all right this is uh, chad with i want to know and our special guest uh dr Tarek rajan that better pronunciation yeah, i'm getting closer great. close enough awesome. thanks chad I thank really appreciate you it. Uh, thank you everybody you know what Um, please check out our social media tell us what you like what you don't like Um, I'll post uh, all of Dr. Terrig's stuff on uh, there so you want to donate to um, uh, Canadian Vision Care you can do that or support them in any way you can absolutely Um, again thank you so much we'll see you all later bye 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 guys